You're listening to a podcast from the University of Warwick. This series was produced as part of the conference All Together Now, British Theatre After Multiculturalism. The conference was organised in collaboration with the British Theatre Consortium. In this episode, we hear from writer and comedian Stuart Lee, speaking as part of the panel discussion, Offending the Audience. Hi. Um, I was the, uh, the co-writer of the libretto of uh, Jerry Springer, the opera, and I, and I directed... Um the uh, fringe runs and national theatre runs and um, I'm not uh, principally a, a theatre maker I come from comedy but I'm just going to talk about the uh, the kind of flow of events of the of the the uh, trajectory of the show um, and try and uh, keep an eye on um, issues that relate to ideas of offence or public funding um, in 2001 uh, Richard Thomas who was a, a composer who'd also been a stand-up comedian um, I'd started developing a, what was then a one-man show called How to Write an Opera About Jerry Springer, um, where he sat at the piano and talked about how he would write an opera about Jerry Springer. He'd started developing that at um, Batsy Arts Centre, who had um, uh, these evenings called uh, Scratch Nights, where um, you, you were encouraged to develop new work. And um, for those of us that in the 90s had developed a comedy through the Edinburgh Fringe or through commercial promoters, um, normally at enormous bankrupting expense to ourselves. The, uh, this thing at Battersea was fantastic. So um, it began in a, a, a publicly funded situation and um, Richard asked me to help with the story of the thing. He'd written uh, a first half which was a kind of transcript of um, the sorts of situations you get on American talk shows, um, given extra comedy and also a sort of dignity by uh, being, being applied to um, a pastiche of various styles of music normally associated with high culture. Um, we knew that for a second half we wanted to um, ask a question about the extent to which we're invited to laugh at um, the, uh, the, the problems of uh, American sort of trailer trash by thinking, well, how different are these domestic situations to the sort of ones you see in high art um, and in, in classical opera? Um, and I just, I think probably because I'd just seen a really good production of um, The Passion of St. John at, uh, by Bach at ENO, it seemed to me that you could transpose it really easily onto lots of aspects from, um, from uh, Christian stories and that you could normally find something analogous in various aspects of the Bible for the sort of family relationships that you get in, um, in American talk shows. Um, well, it, you know, it, it, it's sort of like suspicion of the father figure, then and, and Adam and Eve being, a, a, you know, the, the original warring white trailer trash couple, you know. So um, that's how it played out, and the whole the second half was mainly where my input as a writer was. And we did a year at... Um, we did a year and a half on and off at Battersea Arts Centre, and then we did it in Edinburgh uh, at the Fringe, and then um, Nicholas Heitner picked it up for his first run at the National Theatre, which was brilliant. It made the joke work really well, of, um, as well, of putting something with a kind of low-culture subject within the inverted commas of the, the temple of high culture that is the National Theatre, despite the Connex arrangement. And um, so... Uh, it, and it may seem naive now in the light of what happened, which some of you may remember, but I can honestly say that at no point did it, either of us ever imagine it would cause such a degree of offence. Um, because in the circles that we moved in, and even amongst the, uh, the cast that were in it, some of whom had religious beliefs, and even when it was reviewed at the National Theatre by um, 
Catholic Herald and the Church Times, um, the idea that it was offensive religiously was given pretty short shrift because the, uh, the theology was consistent with, the, uh, with um, Christian theology as were the sort of family relationships within it. Um, and any, the, the idea that you would set out to cause offence as a writer, I, I don't really know any writers or comedians that have done that. Offence may be caused, but I think it's a, a, a byproduct of other things that you're trying to do. In the same way as is if a dog does a poo on the pavement, that may be offensive, but the dog was not trying to offend you by doing that. It was uh, entirely incidental. I compare my process as a writer to... Uh, <laughs> It's just got to come out, you know. And um, so it does seem naive now. And again, it ran fairly comfortably at the uh, at the National Theatre. Again, at a publicly funded place, it was. It seemed to be doing the job of what publicly funded theatre should do, because it was based on um, on the, because the casting was based on the demographics of uh, of an American talk show. You were you were able, without any hint of contrivance, to have an enormously uh, culturally and racially. Uh, diverse cast and in terms of shapes and sizes and ages as well. Uh, it was lauded for sort of de 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 democratising opera and making that accessible because the subject material was something people could relate to. Again, all these things were an accidental byproduct of what we, what we were doing. We hadn't set out to do that. And again, the religious aspects were not an issue. Um, and I think the context is important there, even though the uh, the, Nicholas Heitner was very pleased that the, 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 the range of people that were going to see it at the National Theatre was far greater in terms of age and culture and race and whatever than that they normally had. But still, the amount of people complaining was extremely minimal. Um, then, uh, transferred to the West End, um, the, the, again, there was not really any offence, there weren't really any complaints there. I think partly because, for better or worse, uh, commercial producers in the West End, instead of marketing it as a great opera, they tend to pitch it as come and be offended. <laughs> and um, so people that have gone to something that says come and be offended by this outrageous thing don't tend to then complain afterwards. Um, the, the, the problem with, um, with uh, complaints from religious groups started in um, January of 2005 when the production was sort of on its last legs, really, and the um, producers had decided to allow BBC Two to film um, to film it for broadcast. Um, I thought they did a really good job of it, um, and I think it's very difficult to film uh, theatre, but they did they did a pretty good job of it, I thought, and um, and also I felt like it sort of did what a public broadcaster should do, put, putting on this much discussed show which you couldn't see now without paying extortion at West End prices, putting it on for free. I thought that was sort of a, a really great thing to do. Um, but the, the, uh, uh, the campaign against it began principally by a group called um, Christian Voice, who were one of those sort of evangelical groups on the far right who maintained that, that um, all homosexuals are going to hell and that you know, is Islam should be banned in Britain and you know, that kind of thing. Um, Initially, it was only three or four people, really, who hadn't seen the show and had a kind of second-hand idea of what was in it. But it was too good a story to ignore. Um, the press ran with it without really um, investigating the credentials of the people complaining. I suspect, in retrospect, four years later, that people involved in marketing of a piece of commercial theatre probably 
imagined that this would be something they could work with, this degree of complaint, perhaps thought it would help sell the thing, and perhaps didn't do as much to diffuse the situation rationally as they might have done. Um, things really started to hit the headline when um, the police recommended that the, um, that the BBC directors responsible for putting the thing on television went into hiding after Christian Voice put their addresses on the internet. But I think the interesting thing here is it's about context. So I, I don't, in a way, I'm not sure how relevant it is to theatre, because as a theatre piece, playing to theatre audiences, the piece had always been understood. When it became um, uh, the subject of a, of a discussion by mass media in which all its nuances were lost, um, and in which images and lines taken out of context took on a different resonance, um, that's when the problem started. Um, obviously, a line set to music that sound a line on pa on the on the page that sounds blasphemous or deliberately offensive plays really differently in a theatre where it's perhaps set to a piece of music that is has a quality of yearning or changes the the way that the that the line is interpreted. That's something an actor can do with a line or or a comedian that's different to the line on paper. So it wasn't really meant to be picked over in that way. As to where the uh, where the campaign really came from. Um, I mean, I, I agree with Richard to an extent on this about there being a culture of offence. Uh, Stephen Green, who ran Christian Voice, said quite specifically that he felt, in the light of Beshti, that the Sikhs had stolen a march on us. That's what he said. Using a metaphor drawn from the idea of progress, of competition between offence, and the, the, the subtext being that he didn't want to be uh, in a... In a, in a culture that had historically been a Christian culture where other groups were now entitled to be more offended than he was. Um, the, 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 the problems began in as much as it, it became not really possible to stage the thing again. Um, a proposed tour was initially scuppered for 18 months because at that point the um, incoming incitement to racial and religious hatred bill was still pending and uh, you, you might remember this was a very muddy piece of legislation which was eventually clarified uh, by the House of Lords, who bizarrely are now left of the current government. Um, and uh, that, uh, that, that legislation seemed to imply that if you made a complaint about the religious context of a, the religious content of a, of a piece of theatre or performance, the police would turn up and at their discretion close it down whilst um, uh, the matter was pursued, which of course meant that it's entirely not really viable financially to, to risk staging anything. So Stephen Green was able to send out a, a letter um, to all theatres that had said they would take the thing, giving the impression that it might actually be impossible for them to put it on. Um, when the uh, incitement to religious uh, and racial hatred bill was qualified, um, he, he wasn't really able to do that, but we had lost a lot of the theatres for the tour by then. Um, as a result of local opposition. Um, uh, he, he formed a bizarre alliance in some towns with the, the BNP protesting against the show. Um, I personally was glad to see them develop an arts policy. But, um, <laughs> but uh, so it was kind of pretty clear where they were coming from. Then, um, then I, I, was in, I was invited to, get, uh, to go on a series of panels like this around the country. Um, by the producers to try and diffuse local opposition to keep the show on the road. And um, I was reminded of something that uh, Stuart Rogers from the Birmingham Repertory Theatre said in the first discussion this morning. 
which is there's a sort of problem with with semantics really and and I very quickly learned that I had to be much more careful um in how I explain things I'd normally say that there to to um the audience many of whom would be would be protesters that historically the Christian myth or the Christian story had been used by dramatists and poets and whatever to tell a variety of different stories going way back to the medieval mystery plays, for example, whose, whose uh, plot lines are usually to do with very secular concerns, but they ha would reach for the nearest commonly understood available metaphor, which still remains to this day, I think, um, for the majority of people, the, 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 broad, the story of, of, of the Bible in its broadest possible terms. And then people would say, coming back at me, yeah, but the problem is this isn't a story to us, this isn't a myth, this is true. And you'd realize that to them, it, it wasn't something that was open to interpretation. And it wasn't, certainly wasn't something that I was entitled um, a, a, in, in my role as the co-writer co of the show to appropriate. And this morning, Stuart talked about trying to explain uh, Beshti to a Sikh community leader in terms of being a fiction. But to someone with a very, uh, but to someone whose mindset perhaps um, is about accepting uh, religious belief as entirely factual, it's sometimes difficult, I think, to switch over to the notion that things can be metaphors. I think I think that in a country that's had a history of uh, that's basically a, a Protestant culture, Protestantism's arguable advance in, in Western religion was to uh, reduce Christianity to a set of metaphors to the point where it doesn't entirely seem necessary for the Archbishop of Canterbury to actually believe any of it happened. Um, so that was that was a sort of problem area. Um, in the end, there, there was a tour, but it was very uh, beleaguered, and I, I don't know um, if it would be possible to really stage the show again. I see that an amateur company are trying to do it in Edinburgh. I opened a fringe program and saw it the other day and thought, oh, God, does that mean I'm going to have to be going through all this again all summer? Um, on my work holiday. Um, but subsequently uh, to the show, the, um, the blasphemy law was repealed and uh, there were a lot of discussions in the House of Lords in the transcripts that mentioned a lot of the Joe Springer, the Opera and Beshti and, uh, and other pieces you'll be talking about today, um, which I think the repeal of the blasphemy law is probably a good thing for, um, for theatre and for expression generally because Christian Voice's last attempt to scupper the show was to prosecute the producers um, for blasphemy. Interestingly, not the writers. I think even they had worked out by that point that it doesn't play too well to try and prosecute writers, but um, producers are more associated with the commercial end of things. So that's what happened there. The, the, the last thing I wanted to talk about, um, I will be quick, is um, after the, uh, all the hassle about the show, I wrote a, a stand-up show about it, about the idea of religious offense. Um, where I, tr I tried to set out to cause religious offence and see, because it, it kind of annoyed me when people said you'd set out to cause religious offence. So I thought, well, if I had done, it would be a lot stronger than this rather gentle and thoughtful piece. Um, <laughs> so I tried to sort of see if I could do it, and actually I still couldn't, because even if you, if you, you, you still, it still has to be about something, it still has to have some kind of meaning and be discussing something. And I ended up with this little homily about the idea of uh, freedom of expression. Um, and then about a week before the last time I performed the, the sh that show, the Danish cartoons controversy had happened, and it, it just sort of 
changed it, the thing that I said at the end seemed very, very glib, as if the, uh, the, the response to offence had been stepped up a degree and I, I was already talking about uh, a distant age. I was asked to go on the, the Today programme to talk about the Danish cartoons, and I, uh, this is the last thing I'll say. It, it, that I do feel that was an interesting and slightly different uh, context. When we, used, um, when we used Christian religious imagery in um, Jerry Springer, the opera, we understood it. We both had a, a Christian cultural background, and we knew exactly what, uh, what the resonance of those different images would be. That's why we chose them. I think the, the problem with... Um, with Danish cartoonists ending up using an image of Muhammad to, to satirise aspects of, of Islamic culture they didn't like, was I don't think they appreciated, as outsiders from that culture, the extent to which that was something of a sort of landmine that would explode and kind of get in the way of whatever it was you were trying to say. One of the cartoons was a satire of the idea of suicide bombers all turning up in heaven and hoping they hadn't run out of virgins, but the, uh, there was an image of Muhammad in it which sort of complicated the idea. And I think that... Um, you, you, you at least owe it to the, to the people that you're um, writing about or satirising to approach the subject with a degree of thoroughness that you don't, to, to try and avoid the delivery mechanism getting in the way of the, of the subject material. And um, uh, that's, which isn't to legitimise the response to the Danish cartoons, it's obviously wrong. But Chris Morris at the moment, for example, is trying to write a comedy film about suicide bombers and has basically gone undercover with various sort of hardcore Islamic youth groups around Britain <laughs> to, try and, um, to try and make sure that he writes something which if it is offensive, is at least offensive for the reasons he intended it to be. <laughs> and um, I, I think that's a great thing about publicly funded theatre is you have to, like, something like Black Watch from uh, the National Theatre of Scotland was able to work on two levels, that the hardcore Scottish Neds that were fans of the Black Watch and or would wanted to join the army loved it because of its unflinchingly honest portrayal of the sort of people that joined the Black Watch. But the Guardian reader liberals amongst us were also able to enjoy its implied critique of their role in the, uh, in the, uh, in the war in Iraq. And I think you can have it both ways, but I don't know if anyone's done it yet. This conference was supported by the School of Theatre Performance and Cultural Policy Studies at the University of Warwick, Warwick Arts Centre, the Humanities Research Centre at the University of Warwick, and the Department of Drama and Theatre at Royal Holloway. <laughs>